Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Joe's Thanksgiving and the day after last week, but it is nice to kind of welcome you all back from the holiday weekend. Hope everybody's feeling fine. I know you got weird family members and they probably coughed on you. That's the thing these days. It used to be that like the issue was seeing family members because they were going to be like mean or vindictive. Now it's are they sick? So hopefully you guys are all fine and uh, we can rumble back into fantasy sports regardless of of your health status and uh across the nba folks are doing okay right now so anyway hi everybody welcome to fantasy nba today it's a sports ethos presentation that is sportsethos.com ethos fantasy bk that's the twitter feed get all that news i know i like to get a little bit i don't know catty at times on twitter I just, I don't, I, I, I have, I have a little bit of beef with the sites that are giving you your fantasy news without sources and without any analysis. You Then you're just copying and pasting from beat writers at that point. Ah, well. I think if you guys want fantasy news with analysis and you know where the news came from, it's Ethos Fantasy BK. I am at Dan Vespers, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S on Twitter. And I assume you guys will follow me over there if you haven't already. Twitter's still alive, everybody. We're a couple weeks into this thing. Panic set in and then unset itself. It seems like everything, knock on wood, is going to be all right. It's reverse chronological lightning round Monday. It's not even a round. I keep doing that. It's just reverse chronological lightning Monday. We're going to go fast and we're going to do all 30 teams' most recent basketball games. And just like always, I'm going to get to Friday and go, damn it, which two teams didn't I talk about so far? Same thing. New week. Week seven. We're seven, we're, we're seven weeks into this thing. We're six weeks done. That's crazy. In addition to, by the way, I like the Basketball Monster box score website. I also like that up in the corner, it tells you how far along in the season we are. We're a quarter of the way in, everybody. The great settling is is happening now. Or maybe it has ha- happened. Anywho, uh, Brooklyn beat Portland in the early one. Portland is going to continue to have some issues without Damian Lillard. They got off to a really quick start. They've come back to earth a little bit now. Four and six their last ten. Most of those have been without Dame. Eleven and nine overall. They're currently in the seven seed, although the West is pretty interesting because... Other than the Spurs and the Rockets, who we know are going to be fighting their way to the bottom, the other 13 teams out West, right now at least, are competing. And they're all within five and a half games of each other. And even more impressively, the top 10 are within three and a half games of each other. Then there's like a little drop-off there. Top 11 or four games, actually. Thunder and Lakers are the next chunk down. The East is not quite so bunched. Seven and a half games separating one and 12 for whatever reason. And then, you know, against the Celtics, the Bucks are kind of out in front of the pack. But again, we're not here to talk about actual basketball. We're here to talk about fantasy basketball, based loosely on actual basketball. And for Brooklyn-Portland, there were really very few notes on this one. Seth Curry had 29 points off the bench. He has been, for about two weeks now, fantasy usable. 
And the last week, obviously, is going to be inflated by this number. The problem, of course, with Seth is that if he doesn't get a bunch of shots, he can't really impose himself on the fantasy structure because the way he has fantasy value is hitting three-pointers at a high percentage. It's a rare combination of three-pointers and a good field goal percent, but if he's only taking six or seven shots a game, that's just not going to get you there. If he explodes and gets 15 shots, as he did in this one, then obviously, yeah, that's enough. But he's still sitting back-to-backs. I think he probably falls more into three-point streamer for now. And on the other side, I got a couple of questions on whether or not folks should be picking up Justice Winslow. The answer is no. We know enough about his fantasy game to know that there are colossal holes in it, that he's not just going to patch over in one offseason or, look, frankly, ever. He's a perfectly reasonable basketball player, but he's getting starters minutes this year, and he's outside the top 200 because he doesn't shoot the ball well. He doesn't shoot free throws well. He doesn't hit three-pointers. He doesn't score that much. So you're hoping that he can float you on rebounds, assists, and sometimes steals? That ain't enough. Golden State blew out Minnesota. Uh, the nice thing here is that not only do we have to, we can kind of jump over this ball game because it was a run out, but neither of these two teams has kind of anything going on with them. The, the closest thing either of these two teams has to a fantasy storyline is that Clay Thompson looks like himself again. And we talked about the buy low with Clay. You knew it was going to pop up. He's up to 40.5% shooting on the year. Free throws are at 808 both of those numbers have been trending up, and so has he. He's been a top 40 player the last two weeks. I don't know that he's going to be top 40 the rest of the way, but he certainly wasn't going to be that like 170 or 180 player he was before. So hopefully you bought low. We talked about it for the first three weeks of the season, and uh, you can't anymore. So whatever. The line of the weekend belongs to Ivica Zubats, of all players. 31 points and 29 rebounds. That is a crazy fantasy line. He had fallen down to about the 115 territory. Remember, after his crazy hot start, he'd actually fallen off pretty good. Uh, this game pushed him back up inside the top 80. One big game. Did the trick, and he's fine. He's a perfectly reasonable late-round center, but now we kind of, like, we we're seeing mostly what he became, which is what we always knew he was, which is more like a top 100 ranked guy. I started, I, look, you guys remember the podcast. About two weeks in, he was still playing well. I was like, mm, maybe I undershot this guy a little bit. And I probably did by a, a hair, but it wasn't nearly as much as it looked like, at least at first. And if he has another couple of quiet ball games here, I don't think he's putting up any more 30-30 games this season. It's been a downward trajectory for him outside of this very large bump. And if if you have Zubats on your team, this is your opportunity to try to move him when you can. someone will look at the ranks and still see him as someone who has a, a good value proposition on the year. And he's one of those weird players, too, where uh, the basketball monster rankings don't look at all like the Yahoo rankings for him. It's not really clear why there's such a massive discrepancy there. Yahoo's got him at 121. Basketball Monster has him uh, around 80. That's a that's a huge jump between the two places. Usually, you know, they're within like 10 or 15 slots of each other. That one's that one's pretty crazy. Um, so I don't know. I mean, if you're on Yahoo and someone's going to see these ranked 120 something, you might not be able to get anything for them there. But it's possible that Basketball Monster will give you uh, a little talking point. And perhaps you can shuffle them along. 
Over on the indie side, Jalen Smith had his first good ball game in freaking forever. Uh, doesn't change my assessment of what he has been and what he will be for the near future. He is a wildly over-rostered, outside-the-top-200 player right now. And one good game out of every six, which is kind of what he's been on, isn't enough. You've seen his defensive stats have also fallen off during all of this stuff. I mean, it, like... He's not close. I don't care about this one decent ball game. He's not close. TJ McConnell had 14 and 5. That's two good games in a row for McConnell, although it's worth pointing out that these games haven't been super competitive. Clippers kind of opened this one up, the final score belying a bit exactly what was happening in that game. Uh previous one I guess it's really more like like two of the last four, maybe three of the last four for McConnell. It is good to see his minutes trend up into the 20s, which is kind of where I thought they'd be at the beginning of the year. But there are a couple guys out for Indiana. He's taking advantage of it. He needs more. I know that he did it in 22 minutes yesterday, but he needs more than 22 minutes to do it consistently. And I haven't seen enough to say that he's gonna. I still think, and, and I got yelled at about this on Twitter, but I don't care. I still say it's it's a sell time on Benedict Matherin, and not because I don't think he's going to improve as a player, or not because he's not a good scorer. He's shown himself to be a very competent scorer of the basketball so far, but that's quite legitimately all he's done to this point. He's number 176 in 9-cat on 19 points, 2.5 three-pointers, and like slightly positive free-throw numbers. But everything else has been a negative, a medium-sized negative or bigger. You've got to be better than two categories unless you're hyper-elite in those two. And he hasn't been. But there's this buzz around him because he scores a bunch that I think you could probably get something for him. Uh, even though his overall numbers suggest you shouldn't. Meanwhile, out in Miami, they have got just a two-game week coming up, so badly needed, by the way, because Jimmy Butler, he's hoping to be back by the middle of this week. That's the latest report there. While he's been out, Caleb Martin has been awesome. 29-4, and four, two steals, a block, two three-pointers, shot the ball well. He's been brilliant. Top 20 over the last two weeks. Keep streaming there. Keep streaming Max Struess when he's healthy enough to go. He had 16 points in this one, although he didn't do a whole lot else. More of a three-point specialist on the streamer side. And then Kyle Lowry, who's just been kind of quietly chugging along here. He's number 53 on the year while still shooting under 40% from the field. So that's a, overall a good marker for him. His counting stuff will come down as the team gets healthy, and hopefully he can stay healthy, which he has been so far. I mean, he made it through a quarter of the year, and Kyle's been fine. Uh, he's always a risk. He's an older cat. Although I think he slimmed down a bit this year, just kind of taking a look at him. Perhaps that helps. He's not quite so big booty Kyle this season. In any event, Miami finding a way to kind of hang in there when their whole team is on the shelf. That's been the heat wave for a while now. They're only 10 and 11, which isn't good, but they're in the play-in somehow, despite, again, just being completely destroyed. Perhaps more than any other team to this point by injuries. On the Atlanta side, Clint Capella is dealing with a tooth issue. Uh, Onyeka Okongwu has been, sadly, fairly disappointing in his two fill-in games. Although, I'll say this, just from an opportunity standpoint, you give that dude starting center minutes, you're starting him. He's a stream as long as Capella is out, regardless of how the first two tries have looked. You gotta get him in there. He just got eaten up by Bam Adebayo. He's not gonna be the only one. Bam's a good basketball player. 
What's that bio at in fantasy right now? 36. Yeah, that's right exactly where we said he would be, mid-30s. Okay, so that one's spot on. Memphis beat New York. John Morant triple-double. Um, you know, he got off. To, he's done this a number of times lately where Morant gets off to an insane start to the season and then just slowly falls back where he always ends up. 28.5 points now. He's not over 30 points anymore. Field goal percent is now a slight negative. Free throw percent is a medium-sized negative. Turnovers are a large negative. Blocks aren't happening. Points, rebounds, assists. That's where he makes his hay. Doesn't hit a ton of three-pointers. Steals are fine, but not spectacular. And so folks are always willing to overlook that stuff. He's far better in points formats, obviously, with the two percentages and turnovers being the three, two of the three largest negatives to his fantasy game. So, yeah, obviously you can ride him on points, boards, and assists on the, on the points league side. In 9-cat now, John Morant is number 60. He's a late fifth rounder again. I don't know how we keep getting caught up in the same discussion. I get it. It doesn't make sense because you watch him and he's superstar-level player. But if you're not good at percentages and you turn it over a ton and you don't hit three-pointers, you're leaving four categories on the board. And in 9-cat you got to be better than that if you want to get into that uppermost elite quadrant. Like apparently Jalen Brunson is now. Dude's been sick this year. Number 28. Showing no signs of slowing either. Big scoring, good percentages. Brunson's been a huge hit. Otherwise in this ballgame, uh, JJJ, not surprisingly, he will slow down a little bit. Not that like this is a big slowdown, but he's at number 14. He was a, like number 8 after two ball games. Uh, he's at 3.2 blocks per game, and, you know, I don't know. I guess it's it's possible he could sustain close to three blocks a ball game. I don't know that he's gonna. Uh, you might see the scoring come down a little bit. He's at 19. That might be okay. Rebounds at six. That's pretty close. So, yeah, I mean, you're looking at JJJ, someone who was in the 30s last year on a per-game basis, and you're saying, where could we find the improvement season over season? The big hope was field goal percent, because he shot 41.5% last year. He's at 46% this season. If that sticks, that's where he makes the big flying leap forward. Yeah, the blocks probably come down. He's at 2.3 per game last year. They don't want him playing more than about 28 minutes per contest. They want to keep him healthy. That's the way they've been doing it. So, yeah, limited sample size stuff. Steals blocks probably come down. Uh, Field goal percent, I don't know. We'll see. He's shooting the two ball better right now. But time will tell. I think you probably see him fall back towards the late 20s, early 30s again as everything, as the dust kind of descends back to the earth with him. And maybe there's someone you can convince to give you a second rounder. Because I think he probably pushes a little back behind that. That's, that's probably as low as I'd go. I don't think I'd trade JJJ for a third or fourth. I think at that point, you just you have the guy you've got. Mitchell Robinson is the other story in this ballgame. He played 31 of the center minutes and was really, really good. Um... I'll tell you, the, the, my patience with Isaiah Hartenstein is wearing thin. I know that the report that came out talked about him playing through a foot and ankle injury, and it's possible that he still is. But it's at the same time, you know, we don't know when that's going to go away, if at all. We know what he can do per minute. That's never been a question with him. While he's been hurt, that has actually gone away. I think, this is always the, the calculation you got to do in your head, I think... You could drop him, and I don't think anybody would pick him up right now. Robinson, yes, he needs to be rostered. As long as he's starting and healthy, he's a go. 
Hartenstein, you could probably get away with a drop as long as you're ready to do a re-grab if he starts to look healthy again, which, I mean, that could happen on overnight. You just don't know, especially when they've been pretty quiet about it. Philly blew out Orlando uh, because the Magic are... Boy, the Spurs are going to give them a run for their money on worst teams in the NBA. Magic are 1-8 and eight on the road. They're 5-15 and 15 overall. Pistons are 5-17. and 17. Rockets 5-14. and 14. I feel like the Rockets are actually a little bit better than those two teams, but maybe not. And the Spurs are now actively trying to lose every ball game. They've been, they've been horrendous after getting off to actually kind of a decent start. Remember they were 6-7? and seven? They've lost eight in a row. Womp womp. As expected, though. Shake Milton stream... Monster. De'Anthony Melton's stream slowed down just a tiny bit here, but hard to complain about three steals, a block, a three-pointer, everything golden there. Basketball, Paul, B-ball, Paul, another good ball game for Reed. Perfect six of six from the floor. I don't know what the five turnovers were about there, but a blowout helped him because they didn't have to bother with Montrez Harrell. Just let Reed go running. That was a great ball game. As long as Joel Embiid is out, and I'll say this, uh, you know, I was skeptical that Reed would be able to get the right number of minutes off the bench every ball game, but he pretty much has here. In his four fill-in games for Embiid, he's averaged in the mid-20s, about 25, 26 minutes per game. Uh, seven steals, seven blocks in those four ball games. That's a pretty good decision. That's an easy decision to start, um, provided Embiid remains out, although Joel was upgraded to questionable today. So... You might be able to slip back into the roster. We might be talking about all this stuff, and then it might not matter. <laughs> it's all right. We got to get ready. You got to always stay ready. For Orlando, Mo Bamba left with back spasms, so that blew up that one. Uh, Wendell Carter Jr. appears to still be out for their next ball game. Bamba's questionable. If none of those guys can go, it's probably Mo Wagner time. He's a pretty good per-minute dude also. I'm just saying, keep an eye on it. We haven't checked in on Bull Bull in a while. Yeah, still top 50. How the... Is that happening still? That's crazy. feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Nothing else. I don't care about Gary Harris, RJ Hampton. Franz Wagner, he's settled into more of like a 75 range type of player the last few weeks. That's good. And Paolo, you saw... I mean, this is, this is rookie stuff. This is what we talk about. He's number 142 now. Jabari Smith Jr. is inched forward. He's at 140. He's past him. Are those the top two rooks right now? I think they might be. Woof. Don't draft rookies. Say it a thousand times. I got to go over this stuff every year. So (sighs) lightly exhausting. Boston decided to rest Jason Tatum. They didn't need him. They knew they could handle Washington. A team that's actually trying to win. And Boston was like, meh. We're going to treat you like a tanking team. That's freaking insulting. But whatever, they got what they got. Monte Morris, a good ball game. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, at even at full clip, he was running at like 140 range. So no, you're not diving in on that nonsense. With him back, and now Rui Hachimura questionable, and Beal back, I don't think there's any reason to worry about guys like Denny Avdia and Corey Kispert. Even if they're playing and starting for the moment, there's just, there's not enough. As Brew likes to say, meat on the bone. Not enough meat on the bone there. Plenty of meat on the bone over on the Boston side. When Tatum sits, that meant, oh boy, a lot of shots for Jalen Brown, and he took them all, 23 to be exact. And then everybody else got a little taste. But you knew that Derek White was going to get enough because he's basically been, uh, White's been a startable dude uh, lately. 
having guys out really helped kind of kickstart him a tad, but he's just been great since then. Al Horford, I don't know if you guys noticed, but our dude Big Al is number 44 in nine cat leagues now. And everybody's like, oh, Dan, he sits back to backs. Yeah, he does. But look, he's played 17 ball games. Pretty much everybody's played 17 ball games so far. There's like 10 guys that have actually not missed games so far this year, and most of them are questionable, probably because of it. Okay, it's more than 10. But regardless, 17, that's the same number of games as DeAndre Ayton. He's not resting back-to-backs. I'm just saying, Wendell Carter Jr., he's only played in 15. He's not resting back-to-backs. He's just been out. So who cares? I know in head-to-head it's a little bit more annoying than Roto, but come on. I got you guys Big Al in the 90s, and he's number 44. I don't want to hear about it. Next game, Cleveland beat Detroit without centers. Cleveland said, what do you mean? We got like five centers on our roster, and they're all hurt? Terrific. We'll try some other tack. Robin Lopez, you start. You play four minutes, and then you're never coming back in the ballgame. Evan Mobley ran his way up to the center spot, and you you can get away with it because Marvin Bagley was playing center on the other side. Now, Bagley had a pretty good ballgame here. Uh... The short version on this one is that there's no real pickup on the Cleveland side. You just hope that either Kevin Love or Jared Allen can get back, and then whoever gets back first is going to be a guy you play. Um, And then Allen, obviously, you play regardless. And then on the Detroit side, Isaiah Stewart is close, which probably shifts Bagley back down to power forward. I don't like his fantasy game regardless. Despite this, this is a good ballgame for Marvin. I don't want to take that away from him. But he's got Jalen Duran breathing down his neck. Those guys have been kind of flip-flopping who was getting the minutes. If you put Stewart back in the mix, it just feels like there's too much happening there, especially when you consider that Sadiq Bey is back, and he can also run some power forward minutes. It's just too much. Kevin Knox has been playing some power forward lately, resurfacing his NBA career, not dead yet. Killian Hayes, good stream game here for Killian. He's been uh, near around the 100 range filling in for Cade Cunningham. That's been good enough. More of a specialist. We talked about this. He's like new iteration of Alfred Payton. Couple of points. Percentage is not as great as you'd expect from someone who's generally not taking the three ball. Assists and steals. That's that's the name of the game out there. And Milwaukee took care of Dallas. The Mavericks, I mean, like we saw this coming. Luka needs help. He ain't got no help. And as a result, he's tiring. It's happening already. One quarter of the way into the season. Put a, put a little marker on your calendar. Also, then don't throw out your calendar when the year turns because we're going to need to go back. And... You guys are probably laughing at me right now. Like, you're all using a paper calendar on the wall. Like, Dan, we're putting, it on our, we're putting it on our Apple calendar. It's going in the phone. Okay, regardless. Put a little marker in your calendar. Four, five, four to six weeks into the season. Guys that are being asked to carry their team in every way imaginable start to get a little tired first couple weeks they can do it third week they probably take a gulp a deep breath you know what actually would work out great for the Mavs right now and they can't really afford to do it because they're nine and ten and they can't win on the road but give Luca like two days off two games off every month and a half just a recharge a recharge week find a week where they have like a a you know, a game and then three days off and then another game and then another two days off. So, like, you could rest him for two games and he gets a whole week off. Luka needs it bad because he's slipping. The steals are starting to come down. He's at 1.7 instead of 2, and you know that's going to continue downward. 
The block's at .5. That's likely to continue to slip down a little bit at a time. The field goal percent of 50 is definitely coming down. The turnovers have been trending up. He's at three and a half, not surprisingly. He had six in this last ball game. And I know you guys are like, you're hearing this part of the pod and you're thinking, Dan, why are you being such a jerk to Luca? It's not, it's really not that at all. Luca's incredible. The NBA desperately wants him to be an MVP at some point, but the dude just can't do it with the way the roster's built around him. That roster is built for Luca to do everything. And don't get me started on Dinwiddie and Christian Wood. It's fine. Like, they're fine. But, and Dinwiddie's had a pretty good fantasy season, and Christian Wood has been a, a not surprisingly a pretty good-sized disappointment. Spencer Dinwiddie at, at mid-50s. Like, still 13 shots. That's basically the second most active player on the roster behind Luka, who's taking, what, 85 shots a ball game, 23 shots and 11 free throws and eight and a half assists. The ball is in his hand every freaking time. His usage was 40 in this game. 40. You can't, like, you just can't exist like that for a whole season unless you're mid-career Russell Westbrook. That's like the only player's body that was able to handle that sort of stuff. And then with Harden, you could say, well, Harden did it too. Yeah, but I mean, like, think about how Harden did it. It was mostly really creative. He was sort of a wizard when it came to getting fouled, three-pointers. He wasn't running. <laughs> you can hate Harden's game all you want, but he's like he's like the dude studying the rule book in the side room. While everybody else is taking 500 extra three-pointers, Harden's like, yeah, I'm good there. I'm just going to figure out how to loophole this thing, which you have to kind of respect it. I would actually say the better note from this game, forget that Lucas is tapering off and he's he's very much in jeopardy of falling out of the first round now in fantasy, is uh, Dorian Finney-Smith has been consistently better for about the last week and a half. And I don't know that you necessarily have to pick him up. But his last three ball games, he's at 13 points, two three-pointers, three and some odd rebounds, two assists, two steals, a block. Field goal percent hasn't been like unsustainably high over that stretch. It's nothing insane that he's done. He's just been more what you'd want out of him. A couple of threes, some defensive stats, and not killing you in percentages. He's a 3 and D guy. If your team is lacking that player, Dorian Finney-Smith is probably now consistent enough to earn that spot on your roster, certainly from the head-to-head side, because he's very durable, and he'll just go do this on a night-to-night basis, and then you don't have to worry about the slower games mixed in with the not-so-slow games. Uh, on a night-to-night, Roto, it's it's a little tougher because you catch him on the wrong one and you're going to feel really silly about it. But, yeah, anyway. Uh, over on the other side, Grayson Allen had another good ball game. And as much as I, I keep, like, trying to talk myself into it, I keep going to his page and looking at his game-by-game, game, and three of the last four have been good. It sounds like Chris Middleton is not that far away anymore. And with Allen, I just, like, he goes through these little heaters where then he hits a bunch of three-pointers and then he gets hurt, misses two games, and he doesn't quite seem like the same guy. He's been pretty good lately, though. I mean, you look at the last couple of weeks, he's top 70. It's almost the same exact fantasy stat game that we just talked about with Finney Smith. Uh, so, you know, take your pick. As soon as you play him, you know they're going to cool off, and that's the that's the rub with guys like that. You know who doesn't have a rub? Foul trouble Brooke Lopez, who is still awesome. He's an unstoppable force right now. Brooke Lopez is number 15. How the hell is he going up? 
He was like number 18. We're like, yeah, yeah, we know he's going to taper off. And then he's been better. Absurd. Absurd, I say. Hey, folks, two quick notes for you here. Number one, thank you, as always, to those that continue to drop ratings and reviews on the podcast. That helps us move up the boards over at Apple and changes who can find the show. We still need 16 more to get to that 850 mark. That's what we're hunting for. We want 850. Can we do it before the year turns? I don't know. It's hard to find. I'll say it again. You go to the podcast app on your mobile device if you're on an Apple-branded one. You have to hit the search function. So you're like, you're in it right now. You're listening to the show. Pause it. Use the search button. It's down in the bottom right. Type in Fantasy NBA Today. Click on the big show logo. And then scroll to the bottom on that page. I don't know why they made it so hard to find. The other note is that I hope you guys got some goodies over at Manscaped.com on Black Friday. It continues today with Cyber Monday at Manscaped.com. Still 25% off the entire website. And use promo code ETHOS20 to make sure you get free shipping on your order as well. If you forget to use the promo code, I promise I'll forgive you, but I am going to be a tiny bit disappointed. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Check out their incredible products. I know we've gone down this path before. I'm going to tell you guys again. The Lawnmower 3.0, which actually isn't the newest model, it's not as sleek looking, but in my estimation, it's the greatest trimmer that has ever been created. I think that the 4 actually is maybe too aggressive. The 3.0 is perfect. I've never been pinched by the 3.0. Not once in like copious hours of using that thing. It's a 7,000 RPM motor. Still waterproof. Still got the little changing or the charging dock. It's got a guard uh, with two lengths. You can go to full like right up against your face, whatever. I I think the only advantage that the 4.0 has over the 3 is that it, it comes with actual beard trimmer guards so like if you wanted to do different lengths there that's a little bit easier with the 4.0 but the 3.0 70 bucks then you get a 25 percent off with the cyber monday deal which is another 14 dollars off and then free shipping on it as well so you're at 56 bucks with free shipping for the best sideburn trimmer that's ever been created to me that's worth it go to manscaped.com promo code once again is ethos 20 check that out now Turn the clock back to Saturday here. This is uh, not exactly a lightning round going on right now. Uh, Toronto, it sounds like Pascal Siakam is close, which is going to completely obliterate a lot of what we're doing with Thad Young and Chris Boucher. Just keep an eye on that. It's possible that those guys maintain value. I'm not starting Thad unless he's starting the ball game. I need him in the starting five. Now, if Siakam comes back, he might replace Juancho Hernan Gomez. So Thad might be able to keep starting, in which case Boucher, who played 36 minutes in the last ballgame, probably does then still see enough playing time. So Toronto might need two guys to come back to push our streamers off the board. I might also just give it a game to see what happens. Lakers beat the Spurs uh, twice, actually, over the weekend. A weird little, like, those two teams played each other three times in four games stuff. LeBron looked like LeBron. Man, that's good to see. Uh, defensively, he's still having some issues out there, but this big ball game pushed him up to number 32, and it's almost all his field goal percent right now because everything else is about where you might expect. 26, 9, and 6.5. And Maybe the assists come up a little bit. Free throw's been fine, mid-70s. Turnover's a bit high. Field goal percent a bit low. Those things get fixed. He works back up into the second first-round range. 
I don't think you could buy low on LeBron after a 39-11 and 11 game with seven three-pointers, but you certainly could have before it. Lonnie Walker got a big bump there with Anthony Davis out. So did Dennis Schroeder. Uh, Walker's been good enough regardless. Schroeder is not someone I'm adding unless a big gun is out because that's what he needs to actually get enough usage. Maybe it's Westbrook that would need to miss a game, but he's actually been weirdly durable. And then Austin Reeves has actually been fantasy useful lately. I sure wish they'd let him keep starting, but you know, if, he, if we see him continue to get 30-some-odd minutes, then maybe he becomes more than a streamer? Also, possibly not. Spurs side, perhaps there was more to go on here. Uh, Jakob Pertl left this game with leg soreness in his quad, I believe, was the final ruling. He was actually on his way to a really big ball game. Zach Collins got ejected. Spurs centers just couldn't make it through the day. Uh, we don't know what the deal is with Pertl. He's questionable right now. If he misses any time at all, Collins is a great ad. But, you know, he, I added him a couple places, kind of speculatively, just to see what would happen. I'd love to get Collins into a lineup and get him, you know, mid-20s to high-20s in minutes. His game, we always saw it way back in Portland. He just sort of, like, wasn't aggressive enough in the way that that system was built. But now you've seen it in San Antonio. He has a really interesting fantasy game. He just needs a little more playing time. And Keldon Johnson, 28 shots, and he missed most of them again. He's very much a buy low because dude's not going to shoot this horribly all season long. I mean, it is really bad right now. High volume, 40%. He's up there with Trey Young among some of the worst field goal by volume guys in the NBA. Uh, but look, like he's not going to shoot 40% for the year. And lately, he's been just rolling high volume in the mid-30s. It's a buy opportunity. No question. Oklahoma City, they had themselves a nice old-fashioned roulette wheel of a game here. Pokashevsky only got eight minutes. Yuck. I still think he's a hold because his fantasy game is too interesting. But we've seen it a couple of times where he just gets steam-trained by another team and they yank him and he never gets back in. Shea played enough. Lou Dort only got 14 minutes here. Jalen Williams got more. Giddy got enough. Trey Mann saw more playing time. What a mess. What an annoyance. Just pick three or four guys and let them play a little bit. Jeez. Whatever. Uh, I'm not adding those other guys. I'm holding on Pokashevsky. Houston side, Alperen Sengun had himself a big one. Jalen Green has bounced back after a really slow start to the year. Jabari Smith Jr., kind of right alongside him, has also been playing better of late. I still, and Kevin Porter's doing his bad percentages act again, so that never really got fixed. I just really want Eric Gordon to get moved so my guy K.J. Martin can see some playing time. But until that happens... You know, whatever. And then Tara Eason, who, like, you guys can yell at me all you want on Twitter that the upside is is so high that you can't leave him on the wire. I guess that's true, but he doesn't get any minutes right now. We might be waiting months for this thing to click, or not at all. I get it. Like, if you're in a dynasty league, keeper league, whatever, that's a very different scenario. That's where you'd pick up a guy like that. And you're like, all right, great. Like, he gets minutes at some point in the next year or two. But redraft, is it worth it? I mean, over a week, he's going to get you like 30 points, 15 rebounds, and five or six steals. You can probably get that from a lot of different things. I know you're squatting on it. Everybody loves squatting on it. He does have a good fantasy game, so I'll give him that. But we're just early on it. Not that he's bad. We're just early. DeAndre Ayton quietly here. I mean, it was, it was a 2020 game, so not all that quietly. But over the last couple of weeks, has actually really come on for Phoenix. And he's worked his way back up into that 60 range in 9-cat. So that's good after a very slow start. Torrey Craig still just sort of 
you know, middling replacement level guy. That's fine. Good enough. Campaign is running out of juice. Can we get Chris Paul back already? It's been too damn long. But you guys know what to do here. Larry Markinen, questionable. He's been very healthy so far this year, dealing with a little knee bruise. So hopefully it's not a big deal. Uh, what we have seen on the Utah side is that Colin Sexton is, is beginning to look comfortable here in this Mike Conley uh, fill-in role. So you can stream him. Malik Beasley is seeing way more than enough playing time to be run out there, especially with Conley out. And then Jared Vanderbilt is... Seems like they've got him pretty much capped around 24 minutes per game, which takes a little bit of the shine off what we were hoping he might be able to do to start the year. He's now come down and he's sitting outside the top 100. Um, I mean, you could call it a buy low if you want. I think there's a chance he gets dropped. I also think that even in 24 to 28 minutes per game, he's probably around the 100 range. Uh, but we've seen it la- we saw it last year too. He just sort of like ran out of gas a little bit. And... Yeah, he's tapered. I don't know that he's a must-start guy. I think I'd probably hold on, though. just feels like there's enough there. And let's quickly go back now to Friday because, again, we've gone way past the idea of a lightning round. Um, Let's play the age-old game. Who didn't we talk about? The Charlotte Hornets we didn't talk about. That's one. The New Orleans Pelicans we didn't talk about. That's two. The Kings? I don't think they played over the weekend. That would be three. Anybody else? The Bulls? I think that's four. And Denver? Was there five? I don't know. Charlotte. Um, I mean, they just badly need a point guard back. Uh, any of them. At this point, like, Hayward was playing some point. He's out for weeks. By the way, I think you can drop Gordon Hayward with this weird separated shoulder or fractured shoulder thing going on. Dennis Smith Jr., if he gets back before Ball, you start him. If Ball gets back, obviously you start him. Um... Uh, Jalen McDaniels is going to see a lot of playing time, but he hasn't really done anything with it lately. They just look bad right now. I don't think there's an obvious ad on that team, even with half the damn club beat up and out. I wish there was. It seems like there ought to be that many missing bodies, but it just sort of hasn't been the case. Brandon Ingram, doubtful with a toe injury. Larry Nance is actually questionable with shoulder soreness, which means Trey Murphy is a terrific play. Terrific play. He's a good play when there's only one guy out in the front court. He's a great play when there are multiple guys out in the front court. So stream the hell out of Trey Murphy. That's the only real note on the Pelican side. They've been pretty good so far this year. I know they got thumped in this one. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, guys have been kind of been in, in and out. Uh, the Jose Alvarado, that's what I wanted to talk about here. Um, CJ McCollum, he's got COVID. He'll be back at some point. Alvarado is a sort of Killian Hazian fill-in. I think you could stream Alvarado as long as they get themselves into a more competitive ballgame. They've been either in blowout wins or losses almost every single night. Uh, so I think I'd stream Alvarado. I definitely would stream Trey Murphy. That's a much easier decision to make. And that's the story with the Pelicans. Sacramento side. Uh, I mean, we knew that they would have a little bit of a cool down. They were in, they were in full jubilation mode, the Kings. They're still 10-8, and eight, despite losing two in a row. They've got you know, tougher road games here. Celtics are, are a very difficult opponent. Uh, and we've seen De'Aaron Fox cool off a little bit, which, again, this is also expected. He's number 20 now, still having a great season, but that 53% field goal is keeping him elevated. And 82% foul shooting. Those are coming down still. They're not down to where they're going to end up. That's it's just the way this works. Mean reversions. It's just the way it works when you look at someone's 
shot profile. They are who they are. He's he's playing confidently. Team is happy, which helps a lot this year. But that's why we talk about buys and sells. Sorry I had to yell at all of you guys on Friday about this stuff. It doesn't mean that I don't like a player. It just means that you can lock in a particular level of value. And now somehow I've been getting branded as a guy who's very pro-Keegan Murray, which is so funny because I yelled at all of you, don't draft rookies. I yelled at you. And he's been terrible. And I said, well, it's kind of a buy-low opportunity. Yeah, I mean, it is a buy-low opportunity because, like, you know, he, he can score a little bit. We know he can get some steals and some blocks. He can rebound. He can hit the three ball. He does a lot of things well. He shoots the free throw well for a, a, a big man and for a rookie. There's just a lot of stuff that's working against him right now. Field goal percent is very low. Uh, he's been sort of lacking confidence. He's not getting to the foul line. These are things that are probably going to improve as the season works along. And like always with rookies, it's probably going to happen after the year turns. That's why it's a buy low. But I wouldn't give up anything. Like, I probably would be more inclined just to see if somebody drops him. You scoop him up. You're like, all right. I'm... But just know that if you do buy on him or pick him up, you're expecting something in January, February, and probably not sooner. Keep that in your mind, everybody. You have to have a plan with all of this stuff. Uh, what was the other one I was needing to talk about? Oh, Chicago. Um, Patrick Williams has actually been, uh, I'll admit, better than expected, even with the team fully healthy. He still sits more in that, like, schedule streamer kind of pocket, but that's been playable. If they have, like, a, a three games and four nights kind of thing that pops up. Do they have any back-to-backs this week? I don't think so. I think the Bulls still are kind of a... a weird schedule i think they go every other day actually so you know it's fine like if you wanted to use a move and get four games out of him four games out of a top 120 type plays in a lot of weekly leagues it does and yeah no other colossal notes on the bulls and that i believe is all no denver ah geez i can't get through this thing without screwing it up one time uh denver did I talk about the Clippers? I think I did. I think we just glossed over him because the Clippers are really Marcus Morris, Norman Powell. Those are your fill-in guys. We talked about Zubots at great length, but I didn't mention the other guys. I'm not into the John Wall thing. We've gone down this path a thousand times. He's going to kill you in percentages and turnovers, and he doesn't do enough of the other stuff to make up for it. But as far as the Nuggets go, I mean, honestly, they just got to get healthy. It sounds like Bones is still sick, so that means Bruce Brown might have one more game in him, if that's how long it takes. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. dealing with a heel bruise also, so he may also miss a couple games this week. All right, so there's a little more wiggle room here on the Bruce Brown stream. Keep him going for now. Uh, As we saw in this game on Friday, if Bones and MPJ are both out, then you get big ones from, obviously, Jokic. Jamal Murray's going to get more to do. Aaron Gordon's going to get more to do. Bruce Brown moves across the cut line. KCP, as we've said, he's better when they're healthy. He needs those guys getting him wide open shots, but I think I'd still start him anyway. And that is your weekend in review. Couple notes on this upcoming week. Uh, Heat, two-gamer. That's a tough one if you're head-to-head. Everybody else is either three or four. Actually, a lot of teams go four games this week, so if you can, try to figure that out. Uh, Clippers, Knicks, and Blazers have a kind of interesting Tuesday-Wednesday back-to-back if you want to roll that into what you're working on. And then a very heavy... Uh, weekend of basketball. A lot of teams go Friday, Saturday, or Saturday, Sunday. This is a less busy... 
I don't say all the midweek because that's that wouldn't be entirely accurate. Like there's a decent number of games happening, say, for instance, tonight. I think we got a nine or ten gamer tonight, but then only three on Tuesday, only one game on Thursday, and Wednesday is is colossal. But then Friday, pretty big cards, Saturday, medium cards, Sunday kind of medium cards. So things do pick up and get a little more consistent as you work away towards the weekend. We will do the rest of our predictive work over on social media. And so I will then just say, I'll see you over there at Dan Vespers on Twitter. Thanks again for the ratings and reviews. Thanks again for checking out Manscaped, ExpressVPN, and Thrive Fantasy. And that was not really a lightning round. But whatever, we did it anyway. I'm Dan Vespers. Have a great Monday, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow morning. So long.